0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning Five here on Wednesday, October 7th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. I am very happy to be joined by Matt Baxendale. We're going to talk a lot about running backs on today's show. We're going to talk a little bit about three technique, defensive tackle, and if there's some depth concerns there for the Buckeyes. Let's start with running backs. got a chance to interview running backs coach Tony Alford yesterday. We got a chance to interview Trey Sermon for the first time, so that was pretty cool. We got a chance to interview Master Teague. Let's start with Trey Sermon. Um, I got a chance to ask him how he's feeling and everything, and he says this is the best he's ever felt. Um, and that's coming off a, a torn LCL, which is, you know, to put in layman's terms is like way better than tearing your ACL. It's like three to four months for an LCL. It's like nine months or more for an ACL. So Trey Sermon, it seems like it's a good battle between Trey Sermon and Master Teague for the starting spot. We'll get into that. But just, you know, and athletes tend to say things like this back. It's like, I've never felt better. This is I'm in the best shape of my life. But, you know, he, he seemed to be. Um, Strong in his convictions there. This is the best he's ever felt. So that's obviously good news of Trey Sermon, uh, is feeling the best he ever has, despite coming off that knee injury last November.
2: Yeah. And I love how people always say that stuff, by the way. Like it's like, it's like watching the draft. They're like, he has serious upside, or you have these like buzz phrases that they use. So, it's, you know, everybody's going to, nobody's going to come into camp and say, yeah, you know, I didn't do much. Uh, I'm kind of out of shape, but I'm working my way back into it. So, uh, <laughs> But the flip side of that is, is that everything we've heard from behind the scenes is that Sermon looks fantastic and talk about a kid. I don't know if there's anybody in the team who's at a bigger 180 than Trey Sermon from today versus a month ago, a month ago, it looked like he had made all this effort to transfer to Ohio state only to have the season canceled. In the meantime, his old school Oklahoma was playing and it looked like the kid who was the number one person to take carries away from him in Norman had opted out of the season. So, like, Trey Sermon was sitting there with not just not being able to play, but having left a situation where he would have been the number one guy. But then you go, you look fast forward here all the way to today, and Oklahoma looks like a train wreck, and Trey Sermon looks like he's going to be on the field potentially as a starter for a championship caliber Ohio State team. So, you know, talk about the, the, the way that, I guess, fortunes have changed for him in the positive over the last month. Uh, but the good news is, like you said, with the LCL stuff, this is something that guys can recover from a lot quicker. Uh, and, and it was something that, frankly, during quarantine, we talked about on end. You know, uh, is is Trey Sermon and Master Teague are they both getting the care that they need to rehab the way they need to to be back in a meaningful fashion from the start of the year? Uh, but the other thing with Sermon was is there was a lot of confusion whether he tore his ACL, his LCL, yada 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 yada. The reality is if he tore his LCL and he tore in November, that means he was pretty much healthy before quarantine ended. I and mean, that's four months right there. So I'm excited to see him. I think his comment yesterday about how he saw Justin Fields essentially as another Kyler Murray was uh, was an interesting comparison because obviously Kyler Murray was the number one pick in the draft and was a heck of a player. So I think Sermon being at Ohio State is is just a fantastic thing for OSU. Um, and the other thing from his interview that kind of got me was is that he said he had flashed back to scoring his first college touchdowns in the horseshoe, which was great, except I remember that game against Oklahoma, and that was not a great game. So that's always going to be a little bit of a unique perspective for him the whole time he's here.
1: Yeah, we can all laugh about that now. It was our, it was our very own Patrick Murphy that asked him about that. We can all laugh about it now, but we were all pissed off at the time, that Oklahoma game, especially after going to Norman the previous year and really taking it to the Sooners and then... They came here and returned the favor of the very next year. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's crazy how it's worked out. Trey Sermon is a true freshman. scores his first touchdown in the horseshoe. Now he will be playing for the Buckeyes this fall. Let's talk about Master Teague and the battle to be the starting running back. Master Teague also says that you know he's 100%. You know, he came off that partially torn Achilles. Uh, now, Tony Alford stopped short of saying he's 100%. He, they're not going to tell you like exactly how healthy guys are, but Tony said he, if we had a game tomorrow, he would definitely play. He's like, now, would he play 60 or 70 snaps, I don't know about that. I I think even if he was healthy, they don't need a running back playing 60 or 70 snaps this year as this depth they have. But uh, just your thoughts on Master Teague. And they're both going to play a lot, so it might not really matter. But if you had to pick who the starter is going to be between Teague and Sermon, who are you taking?
2: I think it's Trey Sermon right now. Uh, Not only do you have the lingering ish injury question mark that sticks with Master Teague right now because of the more severe injury that he suffered far more recently to his Achilles. Uh, but you have a guy in Servant who I think is a little more dynamic out of the backfield catching the ball, right? He, he, he's not J.K. Dobbins, but he has a similar style, if you will, in that he's going to be able to, to swing out into the flats and get that ball on a passing play and move downfield, whereas Teague is more of a running back. He's a, more of a classic back. The comparison a lot of people have made watching him is Eddie George, right? And you know what? I think it's a good thing that Master Teague is, is being maybe a little cautious, working his way back in. He's a guy who really benefits from the season delaying. Like for the rest of everybody else, like in the big picture, you know, not starting the first weekend in September stinks. Starting October 24th is far later than it needed to be. But for Master Teague, it may be the perfect time to start for him to be on board to play as much as possible. Um, let's not forget, this is a guy who was top 10 in the Big Ten last year in rushing as a backup. This is a guy who, who you know, had he had the opportunity of a starting tailback last year, would have had a gigantic season. So, you know, we can't just overlook him or discard him to the side because we think that Trey Sermon's the newest shiny object in the backfield. Master Teague is a big-time player. But I do think, at least early on, you're going to see Trey Sermon with more touches until Master Teague's injury situation is sort of so fully vetted in game settings and seeing how you're at. Cause you know, a lot of us have, have, have recovered from injuries before. And then you come back and you think you push yourself, but you don't have that same adrenaline drive that you have in a game. Right. So master Teague in my mind is not going to be healthy until I see him opening day, go out and tote the ball 10 times. And then I'm going to say, okay, if he feels better the next week and is ready to play, then he's officially healthy. But, I do think Trey Sermon coming out of this is at least going to be 60-40 in carries, maybe higher, just because of the injury situation.
1: Those are obviously the top two guys, and then they have four other guys that are in the mix um, with Marcus Crowley. He's also come, he's coming off a torn ACL and he's not ready yet. Like he's practicing, but they said he had a little setback. He, If they had a game tomorrow, he would not play, it sounds like. Marcus Crowley. Steel Chambers is healthy, redshirt freshman. And back to Marcus Crowley for a second. He looked good as a true freshman last year before that ACL, um, but again, he's not 100% yet. Steel Chambers is healthy, uh, played a little bit as a redshirt freshman or as a true freshman last year, but played in four games or less, so he was able to redshirt. They have a walk on that they're really high on backs. He's getting a lot of positive words from ryan day from tony alford that's xavier johnson a third year sophomore xavier johnson's a guy to keep an eye on buckeye fans number 25 could see the field this year and then true freshman mayan williams i don't think he's gonna play a lot but um they're impressed with him they're glad he's there and he's kind of a different style back of, of the other guys a lot of the other guys are kind of taller backs uh, Mayan williams 5'8 225 will run you over he came in in great shape uh, just your thoughts on chambers crowley xavier johnson mayan williams
2: Well, obviously, if Crowley was healthy, he'd be the number three guy out, in my opinion. Um, I I love the way he runs. He's like a bowling ball out there. Uh, But, you know, he's not healthy right now. Um, I I don't know if we're going to end up seeing him healthy enough this season to really be a major contributor. You know, he had a much later in the year ACL tear. We haven't really, you know, had the full opportunity for recovery just with the whole quarantine not being allowed to really push him. The way he needed push to, to recover from that ACL. I mean, that's that's a grueling recovery, to be back in nine months. Like, people casually shrug their shoulders, like, yeah, about nine months on an ACL. Man, I remember it was 12 to 18 months, 15 years ago, right? Like, people say, now you tear your ACL, you come back even stronger afterwards, and it's a shorter time period. Well, that's because they have these multiple-day therapies and these cryo treatments and all these pools you are supposed to run in and everything else, right? And none of that was available for a couple months. So I'm not as optimistic on Crowley being a big contributor this year. I'm going to have to see it. And I know that they said he was back practicing, but setbacks like this are going to happen in a situation where he doesn't have a nine-month recovery where everything that's fully available to him um, is, is sort of hidden, right? Like he didn't get to sit in rehab at the OSU facility through March through June, right? That is a setback in of itself. So it leaves me to believe that you're going to be seeing Steel Chambers as the number three running back. Uh, I think he's probably the guy the coaching staff trusts the most as the number three spot. Um, I'm interested to see Xavier Johnson, but it's been a long time since a walk-on running back played a lot at Ohio State. And I don't think any of these guys are going to, quote, play a lot barring injury in front of them. But I think Steel Chambers is probably the front runner for the number three running back position as of today. But again, we didn't have spring football this year either. So that's the other thing about this season is that you can see teams lineups changing and teams caliber changing significantly from October twenty fourth to Thanksgiving. Just because these kids are really finally getting into the routine of developing and learning with the offense, you know. I mean, no spring football, but two practices, one of which cost you mass fatigue to an Achilles injury. Uh, you didn't learn much, so. I'm hoping these extended practices they had without pads gave them the opportunity to sort of install the offense, figure out the stuff that you figure out over spring ball. But in the reality is, you have not had a anything resembling the time it takes for some of these younger kids to step in and contribute. Which leads me to lead more when in doubt on veteran players. And while Chambers hasn't played a lot, he's at least been in the program for a while. You know, I, I see him probably is the three guy unless Crowley can make that jump to come back healthy and even then it's hard to count on Crowley this year you know I think he's going to be fantastic in the future at OSU but as of right now I think Chambers is the three guy
1: and Ryan Day is not going to go away from the running game I mean but in year two of Justin Fields Without a true bell cow running back like they had last year, J.K. Dobbins, the first player in Ohio State history to rush for 2,000 yards in a season. uh, I feel like they're going to be more of a passing team this year. Again, they're not going to be out there running the ball 10 times a game and throwing it 70. That's not what they're going to be doing. They want to be balanced to a degree. But I do think we're going to see more passing and less running this year.
2: Would you agree with that? Well, it's hard to think that we wouldn't just with how good Ohio State's receiving is and how deep they are. And not to mention, Justin Fields is playing behind the best offensive line in of the country. So you just you, mentioned it. You you mentioned it. Yeah, not not not. And I would never talk at length about how Ohio State has the best offensive line in of the country. No, not really. <laughs> I have not been saying that since before quarantine. Absolutely not. But the reality is, is that if you trust your line to keep your superstar quarterback upright, you're going to be much more apt to throw the ball. And remember, this is so. I think sometimes even the smartest football people sometimes get caught in the paradigm of talking about it like it's 1999 still, right? (laughs) Now, your running game is not the only opportunity for essentially a handoff. Think of what we consider long handoffs on swing passes or, you know, the bump passes. I, I always call them the JT Barrett bump, right, where somebody's coming across in motion, they snap the ball, and JT would just pop it right back to them, right? And we used to laugh, oh, it's a touchdown pass for JT Barrett because he caught the ball and then just tapped it forward to a guy who took off, right? So, you know, your passing game isn't like, you know, let's bomb the ball downfield and watch Garrett Wilson make spectacular catches or whatever, right? There's all kinds of different elements, how you get the ball in space to your playmakers, right? And in some ways, it's almost more effective to get the ball out wide real quick on a swing with a couple blockers in front because – you're going to have the guys who they beat one or two guys and they're gone, you know, versus running the ball up the middle where there's essentially so many defenders. So uh, I I think Ohio state's going to throw the ball a ton. I don't think they're going to turn into Mike Leach's team. Uh, Ohio State has too good of a running game. It's too important in the big 10, especially we talk about when it gets cold. Well, most of the season is going to be cold, right? It's not going to be like, Oh, look how much they're slinging around in September. And then it's, November 1st rolls around, and it's 42 degrees for a kickoff. You know, I mean, it's going to be cold to start. I mean, we've still got two and a half weeks till the season starts. And we had a day here in Columbus two days ago where the high was 54 degrees. So you're going to need to run the football. But the flip side is, is that you've got so many good receivers, and you have a quarterback who will at least make a push to be the number one guy in the country. I think the cake might be baked enough in the eyes of enough scout that Trevor Lawrence is the guy, but at the end of the day, Justin Fields is the number two pick in the NFL draft for someone. And you're going to want that guy having as many opportunities as possible in the second year in this offense to, to, to get the ball in the hands of his playmaking receivers and Ohio state literally has a fleet of them. So yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of passing this year, but it's going to be interesting to watch the balance because, Ohio State's good enough in either respect. that. I think they could beat you in any way they choose.
1: I want to close the show talking about the Buckeye situation at the three-tech defensive tackle spot. Basically, you know, the more athletic of the two defensive tackles. For those who don't know, the one-tech's more of a nose guard. The three-tech is more of an athletic defensive tackle. Um, and to be clear, we're not sure exactly what's going on with Teron Vincent. When we were at – we got a heads up that – You know, he was a little banged up and we went out to the open practice on Saturday at the horseshoe, which was great seeing the Buckeyes practice in the horseshoe was fantastic, even though it was basically just warm ups for 15 minutes and then the first 15 minutes of real practice and they kicked us out. uh, It was still great. While we were there, I did not see Teron Vincent and I reported as such. Uh, I didn't see him anywhere. There were no players on the field. He certainly was not dressed. There was no number six out there for the defense um it's easy to spot teron vincent when he's working with the d tackle a big number six out there uh so i didn't see him and i had a spokesperson from ohio state reach out to me and say hey you might not have seen him when, when the media window is open but he is here so okay so that's good news haskell garrett was there uh, but haskell garrett's dealing with a serious injury obviously as everybody knows he was shot through both cheeks and needs serious reconstructive surgery but he was out there practicing so maybe he'll be able to play we're not sure because Ohio State's not telling us these things and I don't blame them Um, but it's a concern if Teron Vincent's banged up if Haskell Garrett can't go let's hope both of those guys can go it becomes a big concern for me there are other guys in the mix though Antoine Jackson as a fifth-year senior is going to play a lot this year. He's a guy I think people – some people forget about. Jaden McKenzie as a redshirt freshman could be in the mix. And Ty Hamilton as a true freshman, younger brother of Devon Hamilton. Uh, A lot to unpack there. Again, I I just wanted to just be clear to the listeners back that we don't know exactly what's going on with Teron Vincent and Haskell Garrett. But it seems like something's going on with Teron Vincent. I mean, I – it's he just he wasn't there when we were out there so um, good that he eventually was there but he wasn't practicing when we were out there I'm a little bit concerned about the depth at three tech DT what about you
2: I couldn't agree more I wrote this in the bucket of bullets that uh, I have a big concern I mean Garrett practicing first of all is a miracle this guy got shot in the face a month ago when he was out there practicing so I mean, maybe he's going to be the guy who's – I mean, how, how scared, by the way, would you be to line up against the guy who just is like, yeah, I got shot in the face. I'm here to play football. Like, like that, that's <laughs> got to be the most intimidating thing ever if you're an offensive lineman. Um, but, again, I'm not counting on that. Like, that, that's, that seems implausible that he would play this year. But especially – it's, it's not like he's the punter or something where you're like, all right, he's probably not going to have too much contact, right? This is a defensive tackle. So I, I, I hope Garrett's able to play. That would be amazing because he's he's obviously a big-time contributor for Ohio State, but I'm not counting on him. To, I'd ha, I literally will have to see this one to believe it. Um, and then Vincent, look, he's a guy he – he was a five-star defensive tackle coming out of high school. And I think this was a year that a lot of us expected him to be a big contributor after dealing with – I think it was a shoulder injury last year if memory serves. served. And if he's not able to play, that takes away literally the top two guys at that position in my mind. And that's a problem because then you start getting into much younger guys. Like you talked about Ty Hamilton and Jaden McKenzie. I mean, I was not counting on Ty Hamilton to have to play a lot this year. You know, uh, big brother Devon obviously was a fantastic player who ended up massively exceeding his, his recruiting rankings for Ohio state playing DT, But I, uh, Ty, I thought, needed a year or two to sort of marinate and grow in the program before we were going to see him on the field as a major contributor. Uh, You know, Jaden McKenzie is another one. Like, look, it's very difficult, and we at Ohio State have been spoiled by this, having guys like the Boses and Chase Young who just show up fully formed, ready to go out and, you know, be be major contributors and then turn into superstars in year two. um, On the defensive line in general, and that's a tradition that goes back to guys like Johnny Simon, right? You know, I felt like, uh, Michael Bennett played as a true freshman, when I mean, we can go down the list. There's always a lot of true freshmen that seem to play in the D line at Ohio state, which is, is sort of a rarity, but this is a position where, you know, you take away your top two options and there's going to be concern. You know, uh, I think it's, it's something that we talk about how good the defensive line is supposed to be this year. Uh, but there's there's a lot of uncertainty at the defensive tackle position and, you know, that that hopefully this is this is us just nitpicking, right? Maybe this is the equivalent of, you know, being concerned about the fourth string tight end. But in reality, I'm sure this is a conversation the coaching staff has had at it, oh, It's you. It's all right, how do we cover for this? You know? And I, I, think, I think it's going to be real interesting to see if Teron Vincent is not at the next open practice. It's another thing, too. They didn't say he was practicing. They just said he's here. Right. I mean, the guy riding the exercise bike on the side, Was he there in street clothes, you know, supporting his team? We don't know any of that. And normally, like, from my limited experience going to practices, and obviously you've covered way more of them than me, but from my limited experience of going to these practices, OSU typically lets the media in, like, right after the players get out there, and then they watch them sort of warm up. They go through, like, you know, some basic warm-up drills. They they do some stretching, and then they get into a couple, like, basic positional warm-ups. And then Jerry Emmett, God bless him, comes over and says, "It's time to leave, guy." So you you see the injured guys on the side on a bike, maybe, and they're kind of aside, but or they'll kind of go through the, the early motions, and that's it, right? They're usually not just not there, right? That's been my experience the times I've gone to OSU's practice. It's rare when they're just not there, and that makes me wonder what was going on there, and rightfully so with everybody else who asked the same question.
1: Great stuff as always from Matt Baxendale. And quick programming note: we will interview Ohio State defensive line coach Larry Johnson today at noon Eastern. So we will learn more about the three tech defensive tackles at that time, and we will report what we know on Bucknuts. Thanks again to the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale, and thank you to all of the listeners out there for tuning into the show. If you like the show, leave us a five star review; it really helps. Thanks again to Bax. Thanks to the listeners. Have a great day, Bucknutters.